this is episode 46 of Dead Letter Radio. As always, I'm your host, Taze, and this is the show with the slogan, Your Words, Your Podcast, because here we feature your poetry, your writing, your short stories, your letters, your song lyrics, anything you've written down, we give it a voice, a platform, an audience, but you are the star of each and every episode. And if this is your first time listening in and would like to hear how you can have your work featured on this show, stay tuned to the end and we'll go over that whole process. And before we go into our little uh, one-on-one conversation, a little check-in before we really dive into the episode, uh, I do want to do another reminder that next week, the 28th, will be our haiku-focused episode, the haiku special. So if you would like to get featured on the show, a really good chance would be to send in a haiku for next week's episode, because that will be an episode that features more writers than usual, so it greatly increases your chance to be on an episode. As I said, stay tuned to the end, and I'll go over how to submit your piece. Anyways, now that that's out of the way, how are you doing? I hope your week's been well, and if it hasn't, well, I hope it gets better. I guess if I'm going to act like these are one-on-one conversations, uh, I'll give you a little input on my own week. Uh, my week was okay. <laughs> I had to deal with some unpleasant things, so that's never fun. Um, I've been apartment hunting a lot, uh, trying to find a place so I can have a little bit more space. And that's been tough, just with how the market is with apartment for, uh, rent prices and everything, and finding something that works for work and family. So, it's been fun, but not the real fun. I put that with quotes. <laughs> but what can you do? What I did want to talk about this episode, though, was how do you view yourself? Or, better yet, how do you feel about yourself? You know, I spoke multiple times about this on the podcast, but obviously... It would be great if we just loved ourselves, uh, whole-souled, uh, with no strings attached, <laughs> that we didn't judge ourselves too harshly, um, which is easier said than done. And so I was curious, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about yourself? If I was going to reflect on myself, I am, in that regard, in a lot better place than I have been in the past. Uh, definitely growing up, uh, I wasn't a fan of who I was. Not for any one particular reason, um, but even in an article I've written that one day should see the light, <laughs> um, I talked about how the aspect of writing, and I you know, grew up in a hair salon, and, and I guess I did things that you, in my own eyes wouldn't be considered a stereotypical masculine thing that guys uh, did, uh, at least at that time, and I've got into a bad mindset, especially coming from like a sport-focused family in a way. Um, I got into the mindset that uh, I may be comparing myself too much to other people. And that took a long time to not necessarily weed out, because it's still there, but get it under control. And so nowadays, yeah, I'm a lot better place. I can acknowledge my positive aspects. Uh, So when it comes to you, how do you feel? Well, I hope you don't beat yourself up too much or too harsh to yourself, because life is already hard enough. With everything that goes against us each day or can go wrong, we don't need to be another thing to add to that list. And so, pat yourself on the back if maybe you weren't feeling so great about yourself. Uh, Look how far you've made it. 
and the things that you have accomplished. You know, no one else could have done it but you. I remember when I was younger, and one thing I didn't like about myself, too, was that I would, and kids or uh, people could make fun of you for, was, you know, crying, because I I was definitely the type that, uh, when I got emotionally worked up, tears would go. It doesn't matter if I was sad or angry. Uh, just tears would happen. I remember my oldest brother telling me something along the lines of, that tears don't mean you're weak, they just mean you feel. So some things we may perceive as a weakness or a fault in us might be really just a positive or just an aspect of life. And one of the best things about being uh, who we are is that we can always change things about us. We change over time, whether by choice or not. We grow and expand uh, from our experiences, but we can also make the focused choice of implementing changes. If there's something we truly don't like, we can start making steps uh, to fix it. Because, as I said before, at the end of the day, we are stuck with ourselves. So, I hope if maybe you're feeling a little down about yourself, that you remind yourself, like, look, you're great. You made it out this far. Uh, you're the only one of you that exists, and that's awesome. And no, no one can take that away from you. Uh, you are unique in a universe of stars and supernovas and crazy animals on this planet, and you have your own voice. Wow. Mind-blowing, right? Well, anyways, <laughs> I guess it's just it's just one of my pre-episode tangents, as always, uh, but I do hope you at least find them entertaining. So we have a great episode planned today. So whether you're going into work and you need to relax as you drive in, or maybe you're just settling in for the day or night, I hope this uh, episode uh, really fancies your ears and you can relax or uh, be inspired. So let's hop right into episode 46 of Dead Letter Radio. Our first piece is by S.A. Martin, and it is titled, The Good Place. The slabs are whitewashed here, the cobbles low, no ankle twist, but it is uphill, the breathing hard, a struggle in the mist. There is glinting gem aplenty, and surrounding shop facade, and wind chime trills come singing along the promenade. And I know it heartily, my hand back, my hometown, my place, an unknown part of me, it wears my white gem face. There is wind like a sea town, it blows my strands about, I know behind are high trees and a market of sea trout. And other gem stud dinners, a glitter by the waves, and happy sunburnt sandmen crashing by white caves. And so I struggle upwards, I assume to my home, though it is my heartbeat, a place as yet unknown. For it is in my hair, ceaselessly I'm there. Where is it? I'm happy there, with its clean white air. It is behind eyelids, in deep and rhythmic calm, gathered whitewashed houses, in my cobbled arms. My face the whitewashed slabs, my hair a flying sea, my eyes a good gem glimmer, my limbs the sunburnt trees. Is that where you are then? Is that your home and mine? And you show me the future, you hope one day that I'll find. 
So thank you, S.A. Martin, for sharing this piece with us. I want, I just want to say how much I love the visuals in this. It just oozes nostalgia for a place that I have never been, <laughs> but I long to be because it feels like home. Um, and it makes me really, speaking of moving and trying to find apartments, makes me want to live uh, on a sea town now. Uh, brings me images in my mind of Greece with their whitewashed buildings and some of their Cape cities, uh, or even like the cliffs in Iceland or Scotland or Ireland. But where does such a beautiful place exist? Well, one of the great things about this piece is that it's the narrator. It's within ourselves, it's who we are. Kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier, but I didn't really plan for that, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> uh, and that is a great way to uh, be, to have that inner peace, that inner calm, that we can have something as lovely as this calm, uh, elegant hometown within us. Uh, be a part of us, that is us. Your last stanza, too, uh, is interesting to me, where they're questioning, uh, is that where you are then? Is that your home and mine? And you show me the future you hope one day that I'll find. For me, when I read that last bit, that last question, um, it comes to mind almost as if someone is questioning and looking at their narrator who the rest of the poem is about, and I could be way off, but this is just what comes to mind for myself. And meeting someone that is so comfortable with themselves, so secure, so at peace and calm, well, it makes you want to be that way too. And if that person is a friend or a romantic partner, you want to join them in that calm, that peacefulness, to be upbuilt in your own nostalgic town within yourself, to feel always at home. And so I just thought this was a lovely poem. Thank you for sharing. Next, by Sharice Zerunian, we have a piece titled Constellation, Constellation, Mr. D Talks to Mrs. D. Learn by example. I am neither hot nor cold. Rather, I am Zavon sitting at a piano, singing of parenthood, the way a blind man speaks of the Sistine Chapel. Tenderness, he assures, will be found on a block that leads to knowledge. Gold star praise, a young man clutching flowers in his sweaty hands. They say that the brain is at its softest when the skin is. That charity begins at home, that Freudian graffiti is permanent. But there's always remedial reading and daylight savings. Besides, Anything you can hold is just a rental. Even the stars know this and do not feel guilty when Ursa Minor finally walks alone, scattering its gifts across infinity. The Major will hold back tears, but then exhale. So thank you, Cherise, for sharing this poem with us. Regarding this piece, uh, they said... This poem is from a collection of poetry that I'm currently writing, which centers around a family coping with their daughter leaving home. The reference to Warren Zevon is because of his song, Tenderness on the Block, which the poem gives a nod to. 
I was inspired to write this poem partially by the song because Yvonne himself, according to biographers, wasn't too involved in his children's lives, and yet wrote that song for his daughter, and that dichotomy both confused and interested me. And I took actually a listen to uh, that song as well, and with that background information I definitely understand where you're coming from, where that confusion can stem. Uh, but I do think you captured that heartache and tugging uh, really well in this poem in regards to rationalizing and trying to come to terms with uh, your child leaving home. Now, I don't have any children, but I can only imagine seeing the person that was once a baby that couldn't talk or walk or care for itself in any way, watch them grow into their own unique person and then eventually become an adult and ready to live their life uh, separately from yours after so much time uh, must be heart-wrenching heart uh, and scary and uh, just very emotional. And so reading this poem, I loved how it plays out, um, as I said, relating to Zavon, uh, sitting at a piano, singing a parenthood the way a blind man speaks of the Sistine Chapel. Uh, maybe in some cases we felt we weren't qualified as a parent and that we couldn't appreciate the act of parenthood. But then going through uh, the poem and all the different aspects of uh, your child growing up, uh, the gold star praises that they might get, a young man clutching flowers as their first date, uh, going from uh, trying to instill charity at home and life lessons and values, uh, remedial reading as they grow and learn uh, to hone their knowledge. But to acknowledge at the end, as uh, this husband and wife talk, that even the stars know that anything you have is just a rental, and one day he will leave, that even Ursa Minor will finally walk alone, uh, but do amazing things, scattering its gifts across infinity. And so the Major, or Ursa Major, will hold back tears, but then exhale. And I love that play with the constellations. Uh, so even though our child may leave uh, to rationalize and focus on the act that all the love you instilled in them and the great uniqueness that they have on their own that they're going to spread that those gifts everywhere they go so this is just i think a heartwarming poem uh, maybe a little teary-eyed for parents out there uh, i know that my mom has always said each time one of her kids you know moved away or left the house it's always a super a challenging moment uh, but thank you for sharing Next, we have a piece by Kathy McAllister Piotrowski, and it is titled, The Heart of the Matter. The order of operations and formula for a healthy relationship. One, it requires strength of character in order to be vulnerable. Two, it requires vulnerability in order to be honest. Three, it requires honesty in order for there to be trust. 4. Trust is required in order for there to be intimacy, emotional and physical. 5. 
Fulfilling and lasting love comes from intimacy. If you don't have number one, you will never get the number five. So thank you, Kathy, uh, for sharing this piece with us. I always like including uh, things that are more of daily reminders for us. Um, especially, and I can only speak from my own example, it's easy sometimes to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life or the negativity of life. And maybe we lack on some of these <laughs> reminders and how, how we want to conduct ourselves. Um, I just thought this was a really nice one, especially with the focus on the idea that it all starts with the first step if you want a healthy relationship, and that's having the strength to acknowledge and be our vulnerabilities and be vulnerable to show them. Uh, we're not superhuman, as at least as far as I know I am not. Maybe a listener out there is. Um, but we're not impervious to the erosion of life and the weathering. And we have good days and we have bad days and we have scars and uh, insecurities. And to claim that we don't feel is not accurate in most cases because in some way we all feel from our experiences. So to have that strength, to be able to acknowledge that and not see it as a weakness, to be strong, to show, hey, this is my vulnerabilities. These are the gaps in my armor. And from there, when both people can acknowledge that and feel comfortable to express that with each other, then a relationship can bloom further. Trust can be built. Intimacy can be built. Love can be built and last. And I just think that is uh, a great thing to remind ourselves. And when it comes to this kind of aspect, and I've been trying to get better with it, of being more vulnerable with even friends. You know, they're people that... Uh, you trust, uh, and you give your time, and your love to, and it can even be hard to be vulnerable with friends at times, so and I've been trying to remind myself of that, that it's okay <laughs> uh, to sometimes show our vulnerabilities. Uh, so thank you for sharing. So for our next piece, I will say a slight advisory. Uh, it, it is a bit visceral. I really do enjoy the piece, but it is a bit visceral. So that is my uh, just heads up. <laughs> but the next piece is by Jared Bridge, and it is titled Gornicopia. Putrescent, pustulential, flesh bursts forth from its garish, gaping maw, wickedly woven from infectious entrails and the bloody, broken bones of the impious, insidious innocence. Maddening, malformed maggots writhe as they feast on the fertile flesh and despairingly dine on stingy sinews. Fat, ugly, bloated flies buzz belligerently over the pulsating postules and mutilated muscle. Sentient shrieks and screams of hellish horror fill the abhorrent, acrid air full of fear and tangible terror. The festering faces take neither rest nor respite from their putrid, pungent pain and rancid retchings. Muddled, murderous moans wispily waft through the sour stench. That bloody bellows belches forth frothy floods of gnarled gore, and the conscious, carious corpses wallow and wail in their wicked ways. 
They relished in the decaying draconian days and the heavy, hateful, oozing ochre haze as they are continually and convulsively churned through the gluttonous gornicopia. So thank you, Jared, for sharing this piece with us. Regarding this piece, they said, This poem doesn't really have any deeper meaning and was loosely inspired by Hieronymus Bosch's uh, painting of hell. A play on the word cornucopia, a cornucopia is a woven thick wicker horn with fruit and plentiful food spilling out of it. So as you imagine, uh, gornucopia uh, is the opposite. So the fresh fruit, it's full of rotting and decay. A little bit background about the painter, Hieronymus Bosch, or Bosch, excuse me, was a Dutch painter in the 1400s whose most famous painting was The Garden of Earthly Delights, which depicted his rendition of Eden and Hell. Now one part that really fascinated about me this piece, or what I really enjoyed, is I seem to really fancy these pieces that extrapolate on um, other media, uh, or mediums of art. Uh, we featured other poetry before uh, that was based on uh, various paintings. And so, one, I just think it's really cool when, uh, as an artist or a writer, you are inspired by another work of art, especially one from the 1400s, and it allows your creativity to run wild. And the thing I found super interesting about this, uh, because of how well it's written, is that, yes, it is a... Uh, gross visual and horrid um but it rolls off the tongue so sweetly uh it's a fun read <laughs> uh, for something so nightmarish uh but as i said i love the fact that it's based off this uh painting uh and those medieval paintings and they're pretty uh, metal if you saw them uh pretty dark and grim and uh very visually uncomfortable when they depict uh, these hellish scenes and so I thought you captured that really well. So thank you, Jared, for sharing. So next, we have a piece by Nicole Rolander, and it is titled Way of Blessing. Holy nomenclature of fire-tipped butterflies shining, holy my wet orchard of abandoned belongings. Let me feed the needy with fruit, I least unlatch my tongue and feed it to a child afraid to name the world. The heart doesn't run the body. Any time the ghost can unknot from its mooring, eternity and grief both look like water, bless blue, cold midnight. When we light lanterns from this hearth's fire, when God's deathless face compasses us from darkness to never-failing flame, when I was a girl... I ate meals separate from my parents so they could talk. Holy that loneliness that hasn't left me. Holy fence broken through where we see sheep's breath, the color of rotting blossoms. We choose to bless or curse, to call goodness or evil. Our worst suffering is no more serious than one night in an unlighted motel. A bat's leg bones are so thin. It cannot walk. It seems unfair to the mother who doesn't know how to finger the sign of the cross on her sleeping child. 
not entering paradise by the precision of just one hair's breakage. But you can't kneel in your future beside the fence. You will build post holes filling with rain, the holes I left in my mother's bones and the glow in her marrow bless beeswax candles at the moment of sacrifice. Bless this bed's wood, this down. Shall we have many children here? The gate to heaven where my husband cups my shoulders, where my body houses another body. So I have two names. I'm glad for late daylight rusting my skin, that I can still touch someone else, open my body to a girl child, unmoor her sleep body, holy her fistfuls of wings, holy her life after mine. So thank you so much for sharing this piece with us, Nicole. Regarding this piece, they said, As a poet, your voice grows and morphs, and this poem is in the voice that naturally evolved in me. What follows is a summary of my aesthetic, which I think the poem fits into on all levels. As I was scrolling Twitter with the poet and writing hashtags, I encountered a succinct quote that speaks to my approach to poetry. I am not an intellectual. I write with my body. From Clarice Uspector, a Brazilian novelist who passed on in 1977. This speaks to my own approach to writing, which is from the body house, and its many experiences from childbirth to substance abuse to surviving bodily trauma. I work in a certain rhythm to create a poetic container that's both otherworldly and visceral, sublime and grotesque, haunting and haunted as well as spiritual and embodied. Indeed, a space of personal encounter where the reader might recognize something of their own life journey, as well as be startled. Thank you for that background information as well. First, I want to say I really love that quote. Uh, I think it can be easy trapping, at least for myself and maybe others out there, that we might write something and think it's not witty enough, you know, it's not clever enough, um, and try to really approach it from what you can say an intellectual point of view, which there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, necessarily. And if you're submitting it to places and you need a certain thing out of your writing, then all means uh, try to make it witty, try to get that intellectual uh, writing in. Um, but if you're just trying to write, to create... Uh, Writing with your body is a great expression because we write with our experiences. Even if something fictional, we use what we know. And we just have endless chapters and endless or endless books uh, of history within ourselves because we experience days, weeks, months, years, heartache, love. We see beauty, we breathe, we smell, we hear. And that is all poetry. That is all writing. That is all motivation and inspiration. So I think that is just really awesome. And your poem captures that, at least to me. (laughs) Uh, Going through all the different aspects of life, uh, life and death, childbirth, pain, suffering, you bring out, you know, as you mentioned in your, I'm talking about the background, uh, trauma, uh, our struggles. And I really loved and I could be interpreting this, interpreting this wrong, but the the lines where you uh, talk about uh, things being holy, uh, 
holy my wet orchard of abandoned belongings. Holy that loneliness that hasn't left me. Holy fence broken through where we see sheep's breath uh, and the color of rotting blossoms. And then you even go on uh, to describe that holy her life after mine regarding uh, your daughter or the narrator's daughter. And so how I took that is our experiences uh, in this case are holy. They're they're huge and fundamental and important, whether good or bad, um, because in ways they shaped our lives. And when it comes to writing, they can motivate our writing. Uh, that I don't want to say they're special when they're when the people experience bad things, um, but they're fuel. They're not things we'll forget, and they become a part of us. And so holy are those moments, at least in the context of this poem. And so I just thought, focusing on all aspects of our lives, the good and the bad, writing with our body, this uh, poem really exemplifies that. Thank you. So that's it. That was the episode. Uh, thank you so much for all the writers that sent in your work to be featured on this podcast. As always, I'm greatly honored uh, to be able to share your words uh, with this show and the audience. If you are curious on who wrote what, you can look in the description of the episode. There you will see uh, how each writer wanted to be credited and the piece that they wrote. If you enjoyed this episode and have a little bit of time on your hands, it would be awesome if you can spread the word. Leave a review or rating if your podcast app or a place you listen allows it. It helps the show grow. And if you want to go above and beyond, uh, we do now have a Patreon. It, right now it doesn't really have any benefits, um, but I do have some community-based idea if it gets traction. Um, but if you want to do a little extra, it's there. No worries if you don't. You still get the same uh, great episodes either way. And to find that, you can just look up Dead Letter Radio Podcast or go through the link in my Twitter. So if you are curious on how to get your own piece featured on this show, really easy. Uh, the most straightforward way is emailing me, which is deadletterradiopodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and all this information can be found on the Twitter of this show, which is Dead Letter Cast. So send the email, which is found on the Twitter. Um, there you can include the title of your piece, if, if there is one, then the piece itself in a Word document or a PDF, and then how you'd like to be credited, which you can be anonymous, a pen name, your actual name, a social media handle, as long as it's something that I comfortable enough to read. <laughs> and then after that, uh, any background information you might want shared. Uh, some mission rules, which are found in the link on my uh, Twitter bio, is basically shorter than 650 words, uh, preferably no profanity to keep this podcast as accessible as possible, and obviously nothing that's created to inspire hate uh, to people or group or things like that. You know, no hate speech writing. <laughs> Uh, but outside of that, yeah, it can be poems, it can be short stories, song lyrics, it's just a letter, uh, anything really written down. And for the bonus is that next week, as mentioned in the be beginning of the episode, is the haiku special. So once again, if you've never written a haiku or you're a haiku expert, send a haiku in. If you uh, had never been featured on the show or you've been featured on even this episode, send in a haiku 
Uh, it's a chance for more writers than usual to be featured. The last time we featured over 20. And so I would love to have another great and amazing uh, large episode. We're already slating to have one now, um, but I want you to be a part of it. So send an haiku 575 for syllable counts. If it's a little bit different, so be it. Uh, we can be a little bit flexible here just so we can have a good time with an amazing episode. In the same way that you submit your other pieces, that is how you submit the haiku. So I think that's it. We had an amazing episode. Uh, I'm so glad you were able to uh, listen in and we were able to talk a little bit in the beginning. And thank you so much for continuing to support the show and the words and writing of all these amazing writers. Uh, I know they appreciate it, and I'm sure you appreciate hearing their unique takes and outlooks of life. Uh, And you could hear words from your neighbors all across the world. Well, with that being said, this is Taze with Dead Letter Radio, wishing you all safe travels.